The coming year is likely to bring some of the most significant changes to the world of content marketing that we have seen since modern content marketing was invented, and it's all because of AI. Trust me, you're not going to want to get left behind by this. In today's episode, we're going to look at what the future holds for content marketing and how you can make sure that the content marketing work that you're doing now doesn't become obsolete in the future. Let's go. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen. I'm the founder of Exposure Ninja. We're a digital marketing agency that helps our clients generate more leads and sales online. And content marketing is one of the areas that we've helped them. We've had some incredible success stories over the years with content marketing to help our clients generate more leads and sales. But thanks to AI and chatbots, we're expecting content marketing to evolve significantly over the coming years. So let's talk about exactly what's changing and how to combat at it or work with it. As you will have known, if you've experimented with ChatGPT or Claude, or you've seen changes to Google search like SGE, the generative AI boom is going to have some significant impacts in the world of content marketing. For a lot of businesses, content marketing basically means publishing content on their blogs. And a lot of this traffic might be removed or might reduce as a result of people going straight to generative AI chatbots for their answers. So this raises the question, where if people can get the information that they need, if they can get the answers to their questions from AI, how can we as marketers compete? How can we put together useful information on our website in order to attract organic traffic and then potentially make a sale, generate an email lead or whatever the call to action is? Well, the answer to this question is incredibly simple but maybe not easy. And that is, we have to be providing something that is significantly better than the AI answer can provide. So let's talk about some different examples. I'm thinking that this year is kind of going to be the death of generic content, right? If you're content marketing strategy is all about publishing generic content, then that's going to become less and less viable over the course of the year. So let's talk about some ways that you can make your content less generic. Let's say, for example, that you're writing information targeting uh, search terms that people are going to be looking for. Well, one of the ways that you can add your experience or your expertise to this could be by inserting blogs and stories of customers or clients that you've worked with before. And this is one of the things that we've noticed has been uh, an important point of leverage for content marketing for a while anyway. For example, on the Exposure Ninja website, if we're writing a blog post about some, you know, some analytics metric, for example, you can go to lots of different sources and get information about a particular analytics metric. That information isn't proprietary. There's nothing unique or there's no unique insight to that. But what we will tend to do is include some statistics from client campaigns that we've worked with or some observations that we've made studying hundreds of different analytics accounts across loads of different businesses. This makes that content way more useful than the generic generative AI answer. And it means that if somebody wants a specific answer to a question like, what should my engagement rate be, for example, we are confident that 
that going onto our website for that answer is going to provide more value than going straight to ChatGPT. This is also going to be really important as Google starts building in AI answers to its search engine. So why is Google going to refer to your website or send people to your website for more information if it's just got the generative AI answer right there? Well, it's going to be for this kind of first-hand experience, this unique expertise, this unique uh, position that you have. So I think this is really important. This is going to be the differentiator for a lot of content is adding your unique perspective on a topic and not just sharing the generic information that people can get from elsewhere. So this is also going to become more significant as more content marketers use generative AI to write their content. This explains why, you know, using ChatGPT to write your blog posts, whilst it might seem like a great idea now, the fundamental question is going to be, well, if ChatGPT can write your blog post, why shouldn't people just go directly to ChatGPT to get that information in the first place? right? <laughs> if people just wanted a generic AI answer, they can get that from ChatGPT now, soon they're going to be able to get that from Google's SGE. So if you still want to be getting people onto your website, once this stuff is, you know, completely ubiquitous, you're going to need to make sure that you're adding something else. And it's going to be that credibility piece. I expect that you've been experimenting with ChatGPT yourself. But one of the things that I've found in my own personal experiments is there are loads of searches where I'm happy to go to ChatGPT for, you know, just generic information, generic advice, definitions of terms, that kind of thing. But when something really matters, and I want to get a perspective from an expert, there's absolutely no way I would trust the chatbots. Instead, those are the types of searches that I think are going to stand up really well. And even when Google rolls out SGE, I still think people are going to be heading to websites where they need a perspective from an expert. In ChatGPT, Google, SGE, BARD, all of these tools are going to struggle with that because their entire model is just aggregating all of the information, basically making it a little bit generic and then regurgitating it without proper attribution. Sometimes you need to know that the, that the source of your information has expertise, they have relevant uh, background and first-hand experience so that you can actually trust the answer that they're getting. For example, let's say that you are working on some, uh, you're working out where to invest some money, for example. Well, you might be researching all types of things like definitions of particular investment terms. You might want to understand what internal rate of return means, for example. That might be a search that you would head over to ChatGPT or use SGE for. But when it came to analyzing the performance of different funds over time, that's likely going to be something that you're looking for an expert. You're looking for a person who knows this industry well that you can trust. And one of the misconceptions, I think, about the coming AI generation the coming AI sort of boom is that actually it's going to reduce the revenue that people are generating through organic search. I actually don't think this is the case at all. Because if you think about that example where people are looking for information in the early stages, top of funnel searches, they might be happy to, to carry these out in AI. But once you start getting towards making a decision, you're usually looking for expert perspective. And let's not forget the same number of purchases are going to be made pre-AI and post-AI, right? People are still going to be buying the same amount of stuff. Yes, they may do some of their research in AI, but when it comes to, you know, commercial search terms, bottom of the funnel search terms, those are absolutely going to, you can't just because you need to, you know, you might research your car online, but you might research your the next car that you buy using AI, but you're not actually going to buy an AI car, right? You're still going to need to buy the car. So there's still going to be some visits to websites that are happening. And there are going to be a lot of searches where people actually don't just want a generative AI answer, they do actually want that individual personal experience.
So of course, the question, how do you kind of work with these changes and, and what do you actually need to do in order to make your content more compelling to give it the opportunity to stand out in a world where generative AI is ubiquitous? Of course, adding in those personal experiences, adding in your stories, adding in testimonials, maybe adding in video as well, so you can offer a richer experience than what AI can provide is one way. But the other thing to remember is that the fundamentals of content marketing aren't really changing. Your main goal should still be to create content that your audience wants to engage with, whether that's helping them you know, move towards a purchase, learn something new, be entertained, whatever. You're always going to be moving someone hopefully towards purchase. We're expecting to see more content marketers produce content that keeps people coming back. So rather than just sending out generic information rather just pumping out sort of generic blogs we're expecting that content marketing will move more towards people trying to build uh, sort of repeat visits and almost think of them as subscribers and we're noticing this not least on social media so i'm going to give an example of a brand that we talk about a lot on the exposure ninja podcast and in our videos gymshark so gymshark for a lot of time had a, a single uh, social media channel but actually what we've seen them do over the, the last couple of years is split their audience in into different sort of sub audiences. So Gymshark sells basically fitness clothing, workout clothing. They also have Gymshark women where they sell their women's clothing and Gymshark lifting where they sell clothing for people who love lifting heavy weights, right? And what they've done is they've split their audience out into these three kind of groups because this allows them to tailor the message and to make the message hyper relevant to that particular audience. And they've noticed like lots of people have on social media that organic visibility is harder to find, you need to much better resonate with your customer, if they're going to dwell on your posts, if they're going to engage, they're going to like and comment, they're going to scroll through your stories, whatever, you need to be much more in tune with a specific niche audience in order to get that engagement in order to be seen. So they've chunked their channels down into these three sort of subsections, uh, which allow them to get that that much deeper connection. And we're expecting to see a similar sort of thing happen with content marketing. Now, another great example of content marketing that does a good job of this and has done for over a decade now is the SEO tool Moz. They have a series called Whiteboard Friday, where they get different experts to come in and present a topic on, you know, various form bits and bobs of SEO. Now, every Friday, they share these videos with people talking about SEO and people sort of come to expect this. And they've got this sort of uh, built up following, which goes to each video and goes to the blog each Friday and sort of dutifully watches the video and so on and so on. Now they've done this over time by building that sort of um, that that reliable cadence of content that they're putting out. And because they're always above a certain content quality threshold, people know that they're going to get good quality stuff on their blog. Another example that marketer Jess found and really likes is faith in nature, they use a similar tactic on their blog. So they know that their audience is all interested in sustainable hair and body products. But they also know that this same audience is going to be interested in other environmental and wildlife issues. So they share lots of blogs, which maybe aren't directly about their products, but they're going to be interesting to their audience. And what they're trying to do is actually make their website something that people want to continue going back to. So they're not just targeting the sort of generic search on Google, they're actually trying to build a bit of a, a bit of a following almost think of it like a, you know, like a magazine subscription where people want to continue 
continue going to read that magazine because they know what sort of content they're going to get and they know that it's good quality. So really, taking this approach means that a lot of marketers are going to have to elevate the quality of what they're putting out. And in many cases, they're going to have to do more in-depth customer research to work out not just what their single customer avatar is, but work out any sort of individual customer avatars that they may need to tailor different content pieces for. Another fundamental that we're going to need to keep in mind, especially when it comes to Google's new AI search engine, SGE, is creating content that um, is similar to and backs up what is already ranking. Now, this is a little bit counterintuitive because actually most of the time you want to produce stuff which is significantly better than what's already ranking. At the moment, SGE sort of rewards if you're producing stuff which is kind of the same as what's already ranking. So I think this is a fairly short term thing, which I'm hoping will evolve as SG becomes more sophisticated and as the ranking factors uh, behind SG become more sophisticated. But right now, Google favors content that sort of backs up the information that it gives in its SG answers. So what we're expecting to see as a result of this, and again, this is a, a sort of a, an expectation based on where SG is today this may change. But what we're expecting to see is that the sort of content that's going to be rewarded by a lot of these AI search engines isn't necessarily the ultimate guide to something. It's going to be smaller pieces of content that point towards a bigger guide, but they are all very specifically tailored to a certain topic. So let me give an example. Let's say that you've got, uh, let me find an example. What have I got? Okay, let's say that we've got uh, the ultimate guide to hydration. All right, I'm just looking at my water bottle. I'm feeling a little bit thirsty. So let's say that your business sells some sort of hydration solution. Let's say that you sell electrolyte tablets for helping people rehydrate, right? At the moment, the um, the sort of content that you might be producing would be like the ultimate guide to hydration. And this would talk about how you need to calculate hydration according to your activity levels and the weather conditions and your lifestyle and all this type of stuff. And it would talk about the different sort of ways to hydrate. So are you making sure that you're spacing out your drinking throughout the day? Are you using electrolytes? Are you you know, making sure that you're wearing the appropriate clothes, all that type of stuff. And that's great. And that works really well at the moment. And you can get good ranking for that thing. But what we're seeing that the some of the AI uh, chatbots and SGE are actually preferring and are tending to prioritize would actually be sort of chunked down information rather than that ultimate guide. So for example, if someone's in SG and says, what are the best ways of keeping hydrated? Well, you know, SG might be giving an answer that says something like uh, monitor the amount of fluid that you're taking in. And it will be linking to a guide, which is all about, you know, how to calculate how much fluid you need to take in. So rather than linking to that ultimate guide, everything to do with hydration is sort of linking to a very specific topic. And we're expecting to see a lot of marketers will actually make that transition and start producing smaller bite sized content about very specific topics in their space rather than combining everything into one ultimate guide. And of course, this may change. Um, some of the things that may change this, for example, are when uh, we all have generative AI built into our web browsers, and uh, the web browser AI will presumably do some of the work here, reading through longer form content and pulling out the specific pieces of information that are most relevant to us. So that might be a, a sort of a balancing factor against uh, producing shorter chunks content. But we are expecting to see that sort of trend take off a bit more in 2024 because people also have shorter attention spans, right? I'm reading through like a 2000 word guide on the ultimate guide to hydration. If you only want to know about the, you know, the electrolyte use,
use, for example. There is a question mark over whether that really is the thing that searchers want in uh, these days. But this does also tie in with a trend that we've noticed over the last year and a bit, which is that shorter content can often rank in regular search much better than it used to as well. So it used to be that Google only really prioritized much longer form content. And the goal was always produce longer, produce more detailed, because that's going to help your ranking. Whereas actually now that doesn't seem to be as much of a ranking factor. So a lot of shorter content is tending to rank. We also need to keep in mind perspectives and the new perspectives filter that Google is sort of testing in search at the moment. So perspectives is all about uh, ranking and sharing information that is first person perspectives from sort of non-brand entities, right? So when you search for something like, I don't know, I always use the example best iPhone case, you'll see a little perspectives tab on Google if you're in the US and you're using the right browser. And if you tap that tab, you're going to see videos from TikTok, you're going to see shorts on YouTube, and you're going to see a lot of Reddit results as well. And these are all going to be giving individual first-hand perspectives. So they're not generally going to include shorts and videos and uh, Reddit posts from the brands themselves. Instead, they'll be typically showing individuals, influencers, and I use that term very loosely because this could just be anyone, it doesn't really seem to matter too much about their authority level, who's sharing a first person insight. So if for lots of your key searches, this perspectives tab is appearing, then some of your content marketing plan needs to be to work with creators to make this type of short form video content, or be active in forums and on Reddit and in Quora, offering helpful answers and just being a part of that community. You also may want to keep an eye uh, in your content marketing strategy on Google's notes feature. Now we're a bit split inside Exposure Ninja about how useful notes is going to be. I personally think Google's going to bury this thing out the back without a trace and we won't hear much of it at all. But others inside the company are a little bit more bullish on notes. Now if you don't know notes, um, it's a function that allows people to leave personal notes on search results. So you can see a little notes thing and you click it and you can leave a note about a particular search result. Now the demos are always things like, you know, recipes and here's a recipe result and someone's, you know, taken a photo of their brownies that they've cooked using the recipe and they've come back and left a great review and said, oh, my kids love these brownies. Have you ever noticed it's always about food and kids, the demos that Google gives on this stuff. Now I personally think nobody's going to go back to an old search that they've done and leave a note on a page like that. That just doesn't happen. Happen, right? If you try and get customers to review your products through Google reviews, you'll know it's almost impossible to do that. And that's when they've already bought and used your thing, right? Getting people to go and leave a note on one of your search results just seems like a very wild thing that people aren't likely to do. And I also think most of the people who are going to be using it are going to be spamming it to oblivion because these notes can be indexed on Google. But if they do take off, then we might need to be thinking about how we encourage visitors on our website to our content to leave notes um, in case that really helps with engagement and helps increase our click-through rate from search. Now, you're also going to have to keep an eye on any notes being left on your competitors' content, and this could be a really useful way of identifying what people like or don't like about competitor content, which could then help you shape yours and improve it and make it better. Okay, let's talk about how AI will potentially impact 
content generation itself. A recent study showed that 70% of people in knowledge work, which by the way includes marketing, are using AI tools. ChatGPT is the most popular. So there's no denying that AI has had and will continue to have a huge impact on how content can be created and it will fundamentally change how people consume their content as well. The content itself though is only going to be good if an expert is working alongside the AI, otherwise it's going to be indistinguishable from just the AI's own output, right? I think this is something that people miss a lot. They think, great, I can go and produce some blog posts on, you know, the best banana pancake recipes using ChatGPT and I can publish it on my website and get all this ranking. Well, yeah, that might work until people are consistently using AI, but once they're consistently using AI, why would they go to your website to read the static output when they can just go straight to the AI tool? So there needs to be some sort of differentiator. There needs to be some reason why people would visit you over the AI. Otherwise, when Google sees people going onto your generic rubbish post and then bouncing straight back to Google and looking for another post that actually includes that sort of human or experience element because that's what they're looking for by going to the organic results, your ranking is going to tank anyway, right? So you may get a short-term win, but long-term, you're not providing anything of any value. So it's basically useless and you're just uh, wasting your server costs. So what we found to be really useful when using AI for content generation is brainstorming with it, coming up with different ideas. I was creating a course recently and for one particular module, I really wanted to make sure I was covering this from all angles and working with ChatGPT to brainstorm on, okay, what are the different ways? What are some of the questions people might have about this was really useful. Now I tried getting it to actually write the answers and to write the course material, but honestly, the stuff that was coming out was so generic. It was total rubbish. I never would have published it, but by getting it to think about, okay, what are the, what are the questions? What are the different ways of approaching this? That then helped me to think, okay, great. We need to cover this, 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 and this. Hey, ChatGPT, what's another way that I could sort of phrase this or what are some examples I could use? Okay, great. And then you sort of brainstorm with it that way. So it can be a really powerful tool for unlocking different levels and different ways to explore a topic. But I think if you're just using it to write posts, there's a very finite lifespan. There's also concerns about hallucination and all that type of stuff as well. But to me, the biggest issue with generative AI content is just how difficult it is to read and how boring it can be to read. Even if you tell it to make it fun, it's still not really fun. It can be so boring to read because it it just has that generic lack of first-hand experience and expertise, which is really what most people want when they read something. And of course, we should expect that people will become a little bit more cynical and a little bit more discerning with the content that they're spending time reading as well. It's already incredibly easy to tell the difference between AI and human-generated content. That gap may close as the AI gets better, but I also think that humans are going to get better at distinguishing and the benchmark will sort of raise for what uh, the, the quality of the content that we're expecting, right? At the moment, we're basically happy to read it if it's better than average, but the average benchmark is raising. So we're going to need to continue improving the quality. And I think people will expect more from the content they're spending their time reading. Right. The final thing we're going to talk about is diversification. So we've spoken a little bit about this during this podcast, but it's important enough to give it its own section. I think diversifying your content and using sort of omni-channel content strategy is going to be really important in the next year. SGE may mean that some businesses see less organic traffic from search, okay? Some businesses will see a significant increase if they figure out how to play the game right, but some businesses will see less traffic from organic search, particularly informational search. So another thing I would think about is how you uh, publish content and the different formats that you use, which can be very addictive for people and 
offer a very differentiated experience from just reading some you know blog post so for example video social media digital pr these are very good ways of getting in front of people video and social media in particular give you a, a sort of repeated exposure to your audience which can be very valuable to help you build up a good uh, relationship with people podcast as well right i've just been in your ears for i don't know however long but this has been fairly uninterrupted time and this is probably an experience that is maybe less likely to be interrupted by AI in the coming years because there is a personal side of things. I can share personal stories with you and we can build up some sort of strangely one-sided personal relationship. I was recently um, at a show in London and met lots of people who came up and said, I've been listening to you on the podcast for ages and I feel like I know you and all this type of stuff. You're not going to get that. Like People aren't going to be talking to ChatGPT and just you know, excited to go meet ChatGPT and want a picture of ChatGPT because they feel like they know it. That sort of personal connection just doesn't happen. So I think about how you can also add other ways, other ways to produce and publish content, which are maybe going to be less susceptible to being um, to being genericized by AI, if that's a word, uh, can also form the basis of your written content as well. So one of the things that we've been doing for a little while is testing topics on social media, seeing what sort of gets engagement, then recording a blog post about, sorry, recording a podcast extra episode about it where Jess and I will talk it through. And then if we decide that it might be a good topic for a video, then we'll write a blog post about it and we'll record a video on it as well. So by having different formats in your content marketing, it allows you to test different things, work out what gets some traction before you go over and put that time into producing a video or producing a podcast about it as well. Another great channel can be books as well. And our books are going to be you know, the Amazon Kindle store is going to be packed full of the worst quality AI generic rubbish that you can possibly imagine. But that doesn't mean that writing a great book for your business, maybe with the help of AI, but maybe you're just going to do it, you know, sharing your personal experience in plain language, that could be a really phenomenal source of traffic and leads for your business. Our books, for example, um, generate us leads, but they also generate us revenue, which is kind of weird because we actually get paid to acquire customers. So that's a that's a, another really good channel, which I think we'll see some people diversifying into. So content marketing is changing. It's really not the end of the world. We just need to be making sure that we're creating content with our target audience in mind. And we need to be emphasizing the personal touch. We need to be thinking about if people can search for this on ChatGPT, what are we going to do when we're publishing in whatever format that we're publishing, which makes our output significantly better, more useful and builds that relationship with someone better than what they're going to get for ChatGPT. There will be some searches out there, maybe definition type searches, where that might not be a game that's even worth playing for some businesses anymore. If you want to get the, you know, if you want to rank for the definition of a particular term, maybe ChatGPT and Google SG are going to take so much of that traffic that actually the amount of visitors coming to a website is going to really drop off. But there are plenty of searches, particularly bottom of funnel, particularly when you're looking for someone's experience, you want someone's take on should I get this or should I get that or what are the best this or that, where actually that personal first-hand experience is going to be more important than ever. And people are going to be seeking that from businesses because they just cannot get it from ChatGPT and AI. So this is going to be a huge year for content marketing. If you've got any thoughts or you've got any comments or any 
content marketing formats or trends that you think are really going to take off in 2024, come and find us on the Exposure Ninja YouTube channel. Just search for Exposure Ninja content marketing, click on the video and drop us some comments. We'll be happy to have the dialogue. We always get some great comments on the videos. And by the way, if you want a free website and digital marketing review from the team here at Exposure Ninja, we help get websites ranked. We help generate lots of traffic for our clients and we help generate them more leads as well. And we can show you how to do this completely free of charge. Now, at the time of recording this, we have a serious backlog in the number of reviews that have been requested. If our team just worked solidly 24 hours, it'd probably take us a few weeks to get through all of the requests. So at the moment, we're having to limit the number of reviews that we do, and we're prioritizing businesses that have over 500k in revenue. I'm sorry, we just have to find some way of doing it. So if that's you and you want a free website and marketing review where we'll take a look at your digital marketing, uh, we'll take a look at your website and your competitors and put together a a bespoke plan that you can follow over the next six to 12 months to significantly increase the volume of leads and sales that you're generating, then you can go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review to request your free website and marketing review. That is ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. I will see you next time. Take care. Bye bye.